Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 15 of the iSphere. I'm Joy. And I'm I. Oh, that was well timed. And uh, yeah, we've not been uh, we've not been here for a week, but we're we're great to be back. And yeah, we've got quite a bit to talk about this week. I suppose before we get into the kind of uh, political roundup that is becoming a, a very common feature of this, Joy, what's been happening to you this week? Hey, I have mostly been working away on things and fielding questions about Amazon, which we will also be talking about later. But literally my whole week has been talking about Amazon. Nice. <laughs> I've done nothing else. <laughs> Just, you've got to educate the masses on Amazon. Then. <laughs> I do, unfortunately. But no, that's cool. I suppose we can maybe touch a wee bit on, on the politics side. This isn't going to be a massive political podcast, um, this episode at least, um, because we're, we're, we're both we're exhausted. Both <laughs> we've uh, we've ran the gauntlet since um, since the Queen passed away, and there's basically been nothing else in the news. Um, and then I suppose things to maybe touch on um, from a, a UK side of things, there was like a mini budget passed by the Conservative government, massive tax cuts to the rich, fucking over pretty much everyone. Um, very very typical Tory. The person who's the Chancellor who passed the budget, for those of you who don't know. Um, Previously worked as a consultant for a hedge fund. That hedge fund, prior to the budget being announced, um, basically uh, went against and basically, like you know, backed against the um, UK bonds and has exploded. And I think they increased their profits by about one hundred forty-five percent or something absurd like that. Um, and apparently, a bunch of the hedge funds hedge fund people who were uh, at meetings with Liz Truss and stuff, they were basically all betting against the UK economy um, and they were shorting the sterling. Is, uh, yeah, it's such like, faith in the people running the country at the minute. Uh, I mean, like, they are, like, that. It's, it's just so blatant and it's the thing that annoys me is, like, it's super, super blatant. Um... But yeah, Anyone we're obviously. You can't see my face. There's nothing but pure contempt in my face. Right now. <laughs> that comment was sarcastic. The um, yeah, I think it's it, like this is this is the result of like the Tories, like like the the people in government at the moment, the people who are like in the like the Tory cabinet at the moment, are literally the dregs. They're like the bottom of the barrel when it comes to like talent. Um, they are they are genuinely the like the kind of worst of the worst. They're worst in terms of like how evil they are. They're also the worst in terms of just like general competency. And like, don't get me wrong, Boris Johnson was bad. These people are equal levels of bad, and like all the rest of it. But it's like these folk are genuinely the worst of the worst. It's like um, finding out hell has a basement. <laughs> yeah, just a wee bit. Um, so that's that on the kind of UK politics side. Um. Like, there's going to be more on this throughout the week. I'm going to be talking about it on Tumblr a lot, but, like, I don't want to spend any more time uh, dwelling on that. Other things, obviously, just so you all know that we're aware of them, obviously, there's big protests happening in Iran at the moment. Um, you know, there's been uh, protests ever since a woman was killed um, for, I think it was the, the police, the morality p police of Iran. Yes. Uh, 
killed her um, for or battered her to the point where she then passed away in hospital um, for not wearing the the hijab correctly, and that sparked massive uh, protests kind of nationwide across tons of cities. And that's ongoing. Unfortunately, today I think another woman was killed. She was shot by police because the police are beginning to open fire on protesters. Um, so that's not great. Um, other things that are happening, uh, obviously, on the kind of Ukraine and Russia side of things, um, Russia has kind of declared a mobilization effort to try and get 300,000 uh, troops ready. Um, and to be honest, the only thing I kind of want to say about that um, is that this will disproportionately affect uh, ethnic minority groups in Russia. I have a friend from the kind of region of Buryatia, which is just above Mongolia, um, and like her city has effectively become a, an army recruitment centre. Um, they are obviously not recruiting to the same extent in the likes of like Moscow and St. Petersburg. They are getting all of the smaller cities and towns and villages across Russia, um, often with ethnic minority groups, and they are like pushing them um, to effectively be cannon fodder. Um, so just so anyone before anyone says that we're not aware of everything that's happening in the world when we now want to talk about a slightly lighter topic because uh, we're both absolutely exhausted um i thought it was worth that kind of sum up is there anything horrible happening in the u.s joy that we should know about probably yes um, probably uh, <laughs> the, the one that comes to mind for me at the minute is the um the f they're trying to basically f cause uh shortages through railway strikes but it's not the workers that are striking it's the company owners so eh? if you have the means to stock up on things go stock up because this is going to affect groceries and all sorts of other things yeah it's not it's not none of the railway workers are uh, protesting or striking it's literally the owners that are trying to um the owners of the railway companies yeah oh, the billionaires <laughs> great really useful so yeah cool uh, so that yeah, that's a kind of like political roundup. I know that's <laughs> probably the heaviest part of the episode, um, but again, we don't want to have an episode where we don't touch on these things, and then you know we either miss them next time or the situation mm -hmm. changes next time. We are aware of them, and we obviously want you guys to be aware of it as well. Um, so, Joy, Amazon, and policies. What's been happening? Honestly, for the first time since I've been on here talking about Amazon, something really good has happened. <laughs> oh, it's a relief to actually say, good news, and then say Amazon. <laughs> uh, for those unaware, or if you've not been following me um, on Tumblr, listening to me rant about it, for a while there has been a TikTok trend which is encouraging people to exploit Amazon's return policies for eBooks, which is you can basically buy a book, read the whole book, enjoy it and then return it as if it's a library. Um, obviously authors have not been very happy about this and we've been asking people on TikTok to stop doing this because the refund doesn't come from Amazon, it comes from our royalties. Uh, which means I've been losing about 60% of my income for the last three months since this became a thing. Um, and we asked people to stop, they did not. Some people even doubled down and started targeting people to say, oh, you should go and do this to this author because then they'll lose money. Ha ha ha, how funny. And uh, the, the Authors Guild and the Society of Authors, which is the UK union for authors, um, they 
got into talks with Amazon Books and Amazon has agreed to end the return policy as it currently stands. Because uh, at the minute the returns were automated, so you could just return uh, at will. Now, if you've read more than 10% of the book, you have to open a ticket with customer services to get your refund. So you can still get refunds if something happens, like if the author just suddenly starts going off the rails into conspiracy theory world or whatever. Um, you can still contact them and get your money back. But um, yeah, it's basically kind of like the Steam return policy at the minute. Where in Steam, if you play two hours or something, you mm -hmm. can then return it. And it's really, really good that this has been implemented. I've already noticed people... Um, I don't know if it's currently in effect, but I have noticed my returns dipped this week. And I think it may also be people on TikTok are getting frightened because they were also reported for using undeclared affiliate codes to earn money from linking to Amazon books. So that's fun. <laughs> Fuck. Of course. Uh, it's just a shit show. It's just every inch of the TikTok discourse on book talk is just a shit show. It's, it's I, I can't stand it. But um, it So was, what does the... It's, it's going to be big. So what does the new return policy look like? Is it just that kind of barrier that's maybe making it less easier? Is it like, I mean, for example, even if I open a customer ticket with Steam um, and say, look, I've played more than two hours of this game, um, chances are they're going to be like, no. Um, yeah. I'm guessing, so is it what is 10% of the book is read? Yes, and some people think 10% is not a lot of a book, but for context, 10% can be anywhere between one to three chapters. Cool. Um, depending on the length of the book. And a lot of the stuff that was getting returned, 10% of it would be about maybe 20 pages or so. And, you know, it's that kind of thing where you're reading it and you think to yourself, well, you know, I'm not really getting into it. It's that kind of phase where you can go, yeah, yeah it's... It's more for the genuine returns where you're trying to read something and you're going, I'm going to give it a couple more pages to see if it gets me going and see if it hooks me. And if it doesn't, you can go, right, that's fine, return. Yeah. Um, and it's that's really what the return policy should have been used for. There's obviously going to be instances where the author, you know, if something is uh, formatting goes gee with, because um, that can happen as well. Sometimes files get corrupted and they're uploading and you flip through things and you've suddenly got a blank page where you shouldn't. Mm -hmm. um, those will all still be returnable and those are kind of like if the, if you find an error or something that makes the book unreadable or again like i said if the author suddenly starts hitting out with you know racist things out of nowhere you can lodge a valid complaint with amazon and get a return started for that whether yeah. they will follow through with that or not it depends on how amazon will handle it i'm guessing they'll probably say yes to, to you know things like that um but it's basically just stopping people from reading the full book and then returning it because that's what a lot of them were doing because oh it's easier than going to the library uh, it's not that's no no especially when there's um, like things like libby as like an libby app and overdrive that, yeah yeah like there's actually stuff like that i did notice as well that um spotify have announced that they're going to be doing audiobooks they're going to yes. try and compete with audible um which is which, uh, interesting because it's I kind of like let, let them fight <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I can just let them crack on. Um, Meanwhile, if you're looking for somewhere that doesn't exploit people and play them very small amounts, you can go to Libro FM, which is uh, the same people that own Bookshop.org, who set their company model is basically fuck Amazon. Hmm. Um, and the guy, the, the the founder, set it up because he hated how Amazon had the monopoly on paperbacks and all sorts of things. Um, huh. and they, they give really good affiliate um, payouts to creators which is fantastic, they give the highest affiliate payout, I think it's something like 10-15% to 15%, uh, 
Um, and they also give Bookshop.org and Libro.fm, they give parts of their profit, not the author's profit, to um, independent bookstores. So I really like cool. um, Libro.fm. I think they're fantastic. Not everywhere. I don't think they're available in every region yet, but they are looking to expand. Um, no, that's decent. But yeah, it, it's it's been a fun week with people asking tons of questions about things and like, how does this work and how does that work? And I, I feel like I've been repeating myself a lot, but it's good if people learn more about publishing um, yeah. and how it affects things. Because I there's so many people that I want to get into publishing and they're just so disheartened by the whole thing. Mm. Um, but this is a genuinely really good change. And apparently there's rumours that they're going to end the audible returns as as well because it was oh, cool. up until fairly recently um the the you know reuse your credit because they amazon doesn't care if you're reusing your credit because they get paid anyway yeah um but it looks as if they're actually starting to lose money from things so it looks as though they may actually change their how the credits returns work which would be fantastic if they did that as well but it kind of just shows you the power of unions and i don't think people are aware that there are writers unions um, like I said, the, the Society of Authors is the mm. big one in the UK, and then the Authors Guild is the big one in the US. And they do accept indie authors. Um, so it's not just the big names. I know Neil Gaiman was talking about them as well, and it, it's not just big yeah. names that get to use them. I, Ian Rankin um, had also spoken out against yeah. the returns policy, or the lack of returns policy. Yeah. Um, but no, that, I mean, that's, it, it, that's it was, good. I mean, it, it makes... Very, it was very exploitive. Yeah. I, which I broke it down this week because people were asking me, oh, is it really affecting you that much? And I'm like, yes, because <laughs> I saw a massive increase in sales, which I thought, oh, great, fantastic. And then it was between 50 to 60% of them were returned. And you th th that was coming out of my royalties, which would be fine if, you know, the person, you know, if I was getting charged the same amount that, um, you know, I, I was getting, so when people make a thing, Say my book is $3.80, or that's how much I get from my four ninety nine royalty. It's not the exact number, I forget what it is. If I got three eighty when it was returned, the money coming out of my royalty would be um you know, three ninety two. I'd be losing twelve cents on top of that, which means for every fake sale and, and refund, I was losing twelve cents from my actual sales. Which meant at one yeah. point I had negative royalties for an entire month, and because sometimes you're only earning about a dollar, or you're earning one of my one of my royalties is actually a penny. Oh, nice! Because of how Amazon works, don't, I earn a don't penny. spend it all at once. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, so it was one of those things where it was like, yeah, it, you know, like people were saying, well, it's not a sale you wouldn't have had anyway. And I'm going, that that's true, but. I'm getting charged extra money on top of the, the mm. return, which means I am losing money from my actual sales, uh, which is not great. It's not great. No. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to this ending because you, you would see it. You'd see a massive, you know, you'd know someone had linked to your book somewhere because you'd see a massive spike in sales and you'd go, oh, great, fantastic. Someone, you know, it must be part of a book. It must be somewhere, a book group. And within seven days, you'd get a massive influx of returns because it takes people roughly a week to read a book sometimes. Mm. And it was like, ah, it must like to, like that. That is absolutely fucking like soul destroying as well. Because like 
obviously there's the there's the excitement of having your book actually sold and people being yeah. interested um and then of course you think about the kind of financial thing aspect of that but you're like great i'm gonna have a wee bit more royalties to play with this month um and then you've well, got it, yeah the, yeah it's it's money you're relying on to make the next book yeah and i try to i set aside money each month that i save up for paying illustrators paying editors paying formatters and because that's not something i can you know some people can do all these things themselves i can't uh, and also i like to hire from within my community everybody that works on hunger pangs is from tumblr you know they, they're from fandom my illustrator i met through dishonored fandom my my current editors and you know they're big in fandom as well it's a it's I like to hire from people within my community. My audio narrator I met on Tumblr. And because of, you know, because of the, the work that she gets from that, she's able to hire someone else from Tumblr. You know, it's, it's we're, we're trying to keep the, the community ecosystem alive. Mm. And then you have a hack from TikTok destroying all your income. So you can't, like, there's money that I would have gotten from some of these sales that I now don't have. Yeah. And I think so that I is... Can't, laid for future projects yeah and i mean there is also like you know there's that aspect as well as when you can like share that with your community like actually yeah. be able to, it's is is I, I don't want to say it's quite circular economy but it is it's close to it you know where it's you know you're actually you know you're using that money to inject it in and keeping your community engaged and of course you need money to we're, live as well we're all basically passing the same 200 dollars back and forth between <laughs> us but it means that content's getting made it means that you know marginalized stories are getting made like everybody involved with fangs is some flavor of lgbt there is you know it's you know or, or and also disabled and it's just you know it's really disheartening to not be able to put that money back into the community that supports you and it's the way I, I try to do, you know, I try to keep the, the money in my community because it's my community that supports me. I don't get a lot of money from mainstream sales. My my sales come from disabled queer people. And that's also why I keep my book, my book prices as low as possible because I know my audience is often on restricted income. And it really is, you know, it's galling to me when people turn and say, well, I can't afford... Four ninety nine. I'm going. You can save up for a couple of months, and you might be able to afford it. Or you can go to the library, and the library also pays me. I get ten cents every time someone borrows a copy of Hunger Pang. Um, you could literally do that instead of taking twelve cents from me every time you do a <laughs> yeah. return. Um, and it's it's the whole. You know, there was a post I I did a, a kind of a summary of it this week. That's Currently, I've had some actual big-name authors um, reblogging it, which is a little bit scary. But um, <laughs> it was people saying things like, but I can't afford it. And I'm going, and I can't afford for this to happen either. <laughs> yeah. I can't afford to have, um, you know, the the money being taken out of my account. I, I sympathise with not being able to afford fun, nice things because I'm also in a similar situation. I'm able to do things because of my writing, but until very recently, I wasn't, you know, I still live paycheck to paycheck. Um, and I just saw uh, Vithspy, I wish I had the disabled queer community you seem to have. It seems like a wonderful self-supporting group. Um, you you are part of my group. If you follow me on Tumblr, you are part of that community. Um, 
do not feel as if you are excluded from that. Please come and talk to us. Come talk in the notes on my post. You more th you are part of it. Um, yeah, that's it. As Tundra says, join us. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> there's no there's no exclusion. Just come and chat. Just come hang out. Talk to people in the notes. Um, it's we are a very welcoming space, and I the, I know some disabled communities can be quite exclusionary. I have tried very hard to not have that anywhere near my blog because there is no one disability that is more valid than the other. Um, and I also don't exclude any sort of, you know, there's, there's there's some weird exclusionary stuff over mental health issues. I don't hold any of that. So please don't feel as if you don't belong. You are more than welcome to come play in my sandbox, <laughs> always. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just the, it's, it's galling to have people say, you know, I can't afford this, therefore I am entitled to your work. And it's... Um, if you can't afford it, please use the library or reach out to me and say, hey, I can't afford this, but I'm more than happy to do a review because ARCs are a thing. ARC, advanced review copies are a thing. Um, you can always reach out to people and ask them, hey, if I do a review, can I read your thing? A lot of the time authors will say yes because review. Uh, we struggle for reviews. I am in the rare case where I don't have to beg people for reviews because y'all are gremlins and <laughs> i had something like 200 reviews like this the first week my book went out that is incredibly rare uh, there are new york times bestsellers that have 12 reviews to this day uh, so thank you to everyone who leaves reviews but i mean we are happy to trade copies for reviews a lot of the time because we do struggle to get reviews we struggle to get traction um there, there's just there's better ways than uh, than of doing it than stealing from us mm. and it's even with pirating, you know, you, I'm not going to say the sites, but if you go to them and you find them, I'm not going to say I, I advocate for it, but I would prefer it because at least then you're not actively taking the money from my literal actual paycheck that I rely on. Um, it's it's um, it's quite disheartening to have seen my, my Amazon be negative royalties for a couple of months and it's not because i'm not getting sales it's because people have just been returning it maliciously mm. and even you know i've had people apologizing i've had people i've had people drop you know they've put money into my coffee going i did not know i'm so sorry and i'm going that's fine if you didn't know the problem is that we did tell certain tiktokers hey this is harming us some of them apologized some of them you know, <laughs> immediately immediate, you know some of them immediately went oh my god i'm so sorry they went to their following and said stop doing this don't do the thing some of them doubled down and said sucks to be you for using amazon and continued to link to it using affiliate codes which they did not disclose and if you were unaware of this in the us i think also in the uk it is illegal to not disclose if you are using affiliate links Mm -hmm. because you are earning income from those and you have to tell people when you have uh, an affiliate or an, an you know an advertisement so it's that kind of okay well a you're a dick for doing this and b you're a double dick for not declaring to your people that you are they are giving you know their clicks are giving you money and it's you were taking the money from the authors just because you didn't like the fact that you got called out for your problematic behavior i, I don't like that word but um, it's the it's been a wild couple of months, and it's really good to see that Amazon actually did cave to the pressure from the, the you know the Society of Authors and the Authors Guild. Like a lot of us did not think that they would, mm. but 
the media pressure they were getting and just the pressure from the unions. And the Authors Guild's been part of the, you know, it's a, it's been a union since I think 1915. So it's not a new thing. It's just that um, people aren't aware of them anymore. And I think the Authors Guild is $12 a month to be part of it. I am not currently signed up, but um, I was at one point. And um, it's it's been really heartening to see the actual community push back against it. There have been a couple of people in my notes on certain posts that have been going, well, you deserve it for using Amazon. It's like, well, very, very society, much participate. You know, like, you tell me you yeah. don't understand how things work, you know. Um, but it's oh. been really lovely to see people yeah. actually rejoicing <laughs> at the fact that this is actually changing and the fact that Amazon can make change if you put enough pressure on them. Uh, which is really just the motivation to keep putting the boot into Amazon's throat, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> as it much as possible. It can work, you know? <laughs> nah, I think, like, it's interesting hearing that, like, they've had to they've had to make this change. And to be honest, it's probably because they've got, a, like, unions that are currently mm -hmm. kicking up a fuss. And it's like, well, what would it be like for you if we just ripped the heart and soul out of Amazon books and we... You know, we actively encouraged our memberships to not, um, to you know, to not put anything on Amazon, um, mm -hmm. and I do think like yeah, definitely on the TikTok side of things, particularly with people being like the well, you post things on Amazon sucks to be you. I hate that attitude. I absolutely despise the fact that some people are like there'll always be people who go well, it's your own fault because you're using mm -hmm. like this platform, um. Like, but I they're also this, using the platform. Well, they're all, so they're also it, using they're also using yeah. the platform, but it's also like just this complete disgrace. I mean, Amazon. I think forty four percent of all online sales on the planet go through Amazon, right? Like that's that's a horrifying stat a percentage for a start. But like that is how gargantuan Amazon's market share is worldwide. Yeah. Um, it is almost impossible not to interact twitch is amazon exactly mm -hmm. twitch is owned by amazon um that's right i'm a jeff bezos shill um please <laughs> like and subscribe um <laughs> uh, there's literally like people say to me oh well you can use book depository book depository is owned by amazon yeah you know they, they list all these alternatives and i'm going they are owned by amazon and like there's you know it's one of those things as well, like, there has actually been a similar discussion happening about Twitch recently. Um, so, to for those of you who maybe don't know, Twitch's revenue share is actually pretty shit. Um, I, you get 50% of it. So, if you think about that when it comes to, you know, subscribing or cheating or anything like that, um, Amazon are immediately taking 50% of that, mm -hmm. um, which is... Pretty significant. I mean, I think if like YouTube takes thirty percent by comparison, um, so that any you use Apple to pay for anything on YouTube, though Apple takes a big chunk Apple as takes well, a so chunk yeah. as well. Um, so you know there is there's there's that element to it, and it's it's why I kind of nudge nudge people to like Ko-Fi, for example, because Ko-Fi is actually really good for it. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about Patreon. I think Patreon's also quite good, um, and I think the more you pay on Patreon to be a member of Patreon, you can get better revenue share or something like that. Um, similar yeah, with Ko-Fi. Pa Patreon's a funny one. Patreon is I. There's a lot of problems with Patreon. I thought we could do a whole <laughs> stream on problems with Patreon. To be honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
But no, I think like it's it's interesting how there is this kind of conversation happening now because th- there comes a point where like Twitch like Twitch put out a kind of statement and people were rather annoyed at it because Twitch were trying to make themselves out as being this like wee indie startup. They were talking yeah. about they were talking about like one streamer that has average a hundred viewers or something like that. If they stream for two hundred hours, it was costing Twitch like a thousand pounds a month and it's like that's nothing for <laughs> that's nothing for daddy that bezos that's nothing that is absolutely fuck all that's um far in the wind exactly um but i thought another thing that you kind of touched on there and i kind of want to um i think i kind of want to touch on it a wee bit maybe in a wider context but like you were talking about reviews and like how invaluable a lot of reviews can be and of course like you know people in your community have read hunger pangs and went yeah this is great so you know there's like a kind of and absolutely ma- feral like- about it it's been, <laughs> one of the stra- it's been one of those things where i when i first started writing it you know i had people that were you know my editors and everybody else they've been in the industry for decades and yeah. they were going you know you'll probably have to do this but then you'll eventually have to go into kindle unlimited to keep your your, your numbers up and I've not had to do any of the things that they would tell me to do because Tumblr is bonkers for it. And mm. it's so... I never get to say thank you enough to the people that just support it. I mean, literally, even in, in the notes just now, there's been, you know, people saying, like, I'll buy you a copy. I'll buy... You know, like, <laughs> if you can't afford it, I'll buy you a copy. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's just that level of, like, unhinged support that a lot of people don't have. And I'm going, great, fantastic. This is... I don't know what to do with this. Because all of the advice from the industry <laughs> no longer applies to what I'm doing. <laughs> that's a so, that's a good thing though. I mean, like one thing I is. would also encourage people to like start doing and like I'm like I'm not saying everyone needs to do it for absolutely everything, but there's some key things. If you're if you're into games like I am, one of the most supportive things you can do um on steam for example is to wishlist games that you would like to buy Mm -hmm. right particularly games that haven't released yet um and complete transparency uh, i'm a working a part-time for a indie game developer at the moment and it's interesting how much does actually hinge on on wishlisting wishlisting means so much to um indie developers because like having a certain like there's thresholds of wishlisting i think if you're under ten thousand wishlists it can be quite difficult to get any traction on steam um like on release day whereas if you're like up at twenty thousand thirty thousand up to fifty thousand wishlists like that really really sets you apart and it's the kind of it's the criteria that a uh, steam often uses to place games in the featured lists um so if there's a game that you want to support um i really would uh, ins- like insist that you all wishlist it because it will massively benefit and support the developers um particularly as they want to kind of like claim the ladder and talk more about their game um i was gonna say go and wishlist the game of the company i'm working for but i'll i'll save that for now um but like i'm just saying like if if you can in a small way we all have steam accounts and if you play games like me um it's really easy to just start adding things to your wish list so like i like part of what i'm doing with my curator page as well i'm now making more of an active effort to wish list the games that i would like to play um so you should uh 
you should start doing that if possible because it does help. Mm-hmm. Um, it helps a Which lot. Which is good to know because I didn't know that the, the wish list count for things. I knew pre-orders help for things, but mm-hmm. I wasn't sure if wish listing helped as well. So the yeah. interesting thing about pre-orders actually is pre-orders are only available for AAA studios. So an indie developer Ooh. can't. So indie developers on Steam can't take pre-orders. Um, especially if they're also a new indie studio that's maybe not published a game before at all um, so they can't actually like, there is no option to toggle on pre-orders because otherwise they would do that and that would help them fund the game mm-hmm. um, but I think obviously the criteria there is like you don't want people publishing vaporware that maybe hasn't been like verified and yeah. you know, their, their, their promotional stuff looks great which is understandable um, but if you're able to um, if if you're able to do that, then you know, like, wishlisting is the next level. Because obviously, if you huh. wishlist, it means that you're going to hear when the game actually gets a full release or goes into early access or anything like that. Um, and of course, when it goes on sale as well. Which, like, I I I try not to use my wishlist as a like only I'll I'll buy it only when it's on sale thing. Um, like though there's definitely games out there that I want to buy full price to support the devs, but um, you know, there's some things that I maybe wouldn't buy uh, full price, like like Cyberpunk. <laughs> yeah, I feel like CD Projekt Red. I'm glad you said that because in my head I'm going Cyberpunk. <laughs> <laughs> is anyone told how close your banner is to the buy flag? That is absolutely, totally, one hundred percent not coincidental at all. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> we like the colours. Um, we do. And, uh, I'm, a, I'm a very yeah. pink person. I don't know if you can tell from a very pink person. Um, most of my office is pink, so that's the kind of... We went with that. And I, we, obviously, eye is blue. We can't have eye without blue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Pixelates, guys. I have actually started watching Cyberpunk Edge Runners, um, which is the kind of anime series on, on Netflix. And... Like the animation is really, really good. Um, I've not watched it all yet. I've like I've also not seen Arcane, um, but uh, I, I do like uh, animation. To be honest, this actually leads into the next conversation. Animation, Joy. Um, you know it's you know it's coming. Um, but yeah, I've I've been enjoying going into animation and in particular, um, I. I downloaded nearly every single bit of Scooby-Doo media ever existed, ever, um, this week. Which I only found out before the, 10 minutes before the stream started and went, Are you, do you need help? Is there an intervention? Yeah. <laughs> no. Nope. The stream is now an intervention. I, I, have, I have every single episode and film of Scooby-Doo ever. Um, I'm going to make a YouTube video and it's just going to be like, this is good. This is also good. This is also good. Um, but no, it's like, it's got all of them. Because I was a massive Scooby-Doo fan when I was younger. Massive Scooby-Doo fan. Um, like, my my great auntie used to film and, like, record on VHS, like, all of the episodes. And I would just, like, uh, I'd, I'd just binge them all. I, I'm not joking. There was, like, four videotapes, like, three-hour tapes full of Scooby-Doo, and I would just watch them all the time. I probably drove my mum and dad fucking nuts. Like, 
when I was when I was really young, there was like one Thomas the Tank Engine video that we had, and I used to watch it all the time. Used to watch it all the way through. Used to rewind it. Used to fucking watch it again. I feel like, <laughs> like Tundra said ADHD moment. Hyperfixation yeah. mode for the win. Just yeah, yeah, just a wee bit. Just but a little bit. Scooby Doo was fucking fantastic right it was amazing i love scooby-doo i i have to yeah i loved it as well growing up so and only only when i was looking at the the entire list of all scooby-doo media ever created did i realize how fucking old some of the animations are so like there was episodes like i, I used to really like the straight to video um films like the movies of um of scooby-doo so there was like scooby-doo meets the boo brothers then there was like the witch's ghost and zombie island and the side like the cyber chase forget cyberpunk we are talking scooby-doo cyber chase um but the first series of scooby-doo was released in 1969 literally three months or so after my dad was born um and at the time i thought this was like really i thought this was really recent when i was watching scooby-doo i was like holy shit this must like i knew it was older than me but i thought it was like early 90s yeah turns out it was it turns out it was fucking ancient yeah i was like when you started telling me i'm like yeah isn't it like 1977 because i remember my dad yeah. had recordings from then and then you said 69 and my immediate reaction was nice followed by wait what uh, <laughs> but no it's, it's it's fantastic and like the the amazing thing is that like there's it's just all there like the best the best scooby-doo films were like there was a point where scooby-doo animation changed massively um mm-hmm. and it happened after scooby-doo in the cyber chase which i think was 2001 so i feel like 9-11 had a big thing to play in Probably. this somehow um but the cyber cyber chase was amazing because like part of it was it was scooby-doo and the monster was a virus that was injected into a video game but I am not 26. I am 26 in two days. I am still. I'm. I am <laughs> I, holding I on. 26 in two days. <laughs> yeah, and then oh god, next next year I will be 27 on the 27th. That's gonna be garbage. <laughs> I'm coming up. I'll be coming up on 38. Ah, but you don't so look it. So that's thanks. That's it's a, a genetic win. disorder. <laughs> 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 it keeps me a face young. <laughs> yeah. I remember back in like 2015 when people thought I was 40 on Tumblr. I was like, great, thanks. <laughs> it's just the dad vibe. Is it? It's just the, it's, just it's the, the dad vibe. It's the dad vibe and the cutting political analysis, of course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Scooby Doo and the Cyber Chase was amazing on account of. So Scooby Doo and the gang gets, get sucked in to. Uh, a Scooby-Doo video game, right? And in the Scooby-Doo video game, the, they have to face off against all of the monsters that they've that they've fought in the past. Mm-hmm. They, kind of the basically Scooby-Doo, the live-action Scooby-Doo Two, Monsters Unleashed, basically stole the plot of the Cyber Chase, um, and had like all of the monsters they'd ever dealt with, um, like come and and 
like try and get them but there was also there was there was this virus and the virus was the main the big bad um and the gang had to like play through all the levels it was great and i feel like scooby-doo is also partly to blame for my love of like animated food like you know how like yeah. obviously like the peak like the absolute like top tier stuff is um it's like Studio, Studio Ghibli. Ghibli. Studio Ghibli's yeah. food is just like, I am desperate to rewatch Spirited Away because I know I'm just going to make myself hungry. Um, but at the same time, watching like Scooby and Shaggy like pile a sandwich up to being like, you know, fucking two meters tall um, and then unhinge their jaws to eat it. Like that was the good shit. Um, so I'm very much looking forward to just, well, I watched like one episode and I was like, I am back. Because there's a really good episode that's like the second one where it's a. Uh, I, 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 it's weird because it sticks in my mind. No one's going to get this, but it's like the ghost of Captain Cutler. And it's like an old timey, like diving suit that glows. Um, like that's the monster. That. And like they have to go under the sea and they find like a shipwreck and stuff like that. Um, and it's, oh, it's, it's just phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, and like all of the all of the monsters it's, it's gonna be really funny re-watching these actually because like the animation is old but like old in that kind of I like it, i think it ages well though oh it does like i, I love think it holds up i love the i love the animated style in it because it does the um oh, Happy birthday, <laughs> things that age well <laughs> Why have you given me cat treats? I'm just going to sit on you. You're For <laughs> fuck's sake. Light your candle. Okay, candle done. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> cat boy eye. Come on. Come on. I'm, get, I'm getting cats thrown at me. They're about to we scratch had, We had to set this up. Jessica and I were planning this. this fuck's sake. Couple of arseholes. Ah! <laughs> and I like how you walked into the ages well pun for me. Thank you so uh, much for that one. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Happy right, early birthday. Right. Thank you for this. Oh, I look trendy as fuck. I, I'm just not going to be able to hear you, Joy, for the rest of the episode. Though. That's fine. I'll, uh, yeah, we could try and put it over my earphones. Go on. There we go. <laughs> It's it's actual it's a pointy fucking birthday hat. Jesus Christ. There you go. Thank you, that's great. No one can see it. I'm gonna have to duck. There you go. <laughs> Fuck's sake. <laughs> I made Mothman go to the store this morning and get this for me. Ah, <laughs> uh, thank you very much. Um, <laughs> I'm not gonna be able to wear this for the full thing. Um We didn't now, think you would. We just thought it'd be funny and we'd surprise you. Now I is the unicorn we all knew you could be. Fuck's sake. <laughs> what are we talking about? We're talking about Scooby Doo. Scooby Doo and Aging Well. Scooby Doo and Aging Well. Ah, yeah, one of the favourite things about the um the um the animation style. Because it was all done by a Japanese studio up until the end of the cyber chase. Um Which I didn't know, yeah. Yeah, and then it went into like an American studio and they started doing all sorts of weird shit. Um if you don't want to be read as old eye, just shave off the beard. That is not happening. That is not happening. If I shave off this beard, it's not going to... No, no. It wouldn't be good. Um, 
But the cool thing about the animation of like the older ones is that like you can tell what is painted on in the background and what objects mm-hmm. are going to be interacted with, and it's like <laughs> it was always so obvious to tell if there was like a a secret book on a bookshelf that they would pull because it was like one incredibly detailed book and the rest detailed. just <laughs> the rest just like background. It was uh, in- incredible. Um, so the. Yeah, I'm. I'm just. I'm looking forward to going through and, and playing them all. Uh, or like you know, just watching them all. Because um, there was actually there was also a really good uh, Scooby Doo game. It was like Scooby Doo Night of a Hundred Frights, um, and that was. I remember that was pretty intense. Um, like one of the first things you did after you escaped the the haunted mansion is you go up on this hill and you get like an American football helmet, and that would allow you to ram into enemies. Um, that was like the main the main mode of attack. Um, you're, okay, this is now a Scooby Doo stream, by the way. Like you're it's basically just you're gonna hear hear, hear about me and my hyperfixation for the next thing. Was you downloading all the Scooby Doo? The reason you posted that thing about the hex girls on Tumblr? Maybe. Um, you don't need a reason to post about the hex girls. Though. <laughs> it was uh, it was delicious. Pirate God uh, very kindly sent me like a Blu-ray version of. Remember Blu-ray. Blu-ray was like what people used to call 4K. <laughs> it was the it was the 4K of its time, um, but it was yeah the it sent me through the witch's ghost and the witch's ghost is a good one because it's got the hex girls in it and the hex girls are fantastic. Um, they very much awakened my love of of goths um, and 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 vampires to an extent. <laughs> but it's all the hex girls' fault. Yeah, I didn't know that. My story as well. (laughs) I I didn't. I didn't know that. Girls and vampires, as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, thank you, Judge Magister, for gifting a sub to the Hex Girls. I don't. (laughs) So the amazing thing about the Hex Girls, right, is that for those of you who've played Mass Effect or Knights of the Old Republic, uh, Jennifer Hale voices the main Hex Girl. Yeah. Which is amazing um and i'm consuming wine at the moment i suppose i could like reverse jesus it and turn it back into water for you um reverse jesus reverse jesus um but no the like like the witch's ghost is a really good one um but for me the zombie island one always stands out zombie island's great because it's like louisiana and um like they've got Did you give them I didn't give them dreamies, no. You can give them dreamies. Um but you can do uh, like you can so that like Louisiana, they've got like Louisiana Gumbo plays a massive feature in uh, Scooby Doo and the Zombie Island. Also, Scooby Doo and the Zombie Island is one of the only um Scooby Doo like movies of that time that actually had a real monster um mm-hmm. which were the zombies like the zombies were real as were the kind of weird werewolfy vampire it was like a cross weren't they they weren't yeah they were hybrids yeah they were they were hybrids i'm not sure if they were vampires but they were definitely they were like were cats because yeah. the boat, the uh, spoilers for any of you who haven't seen the zombie island like the there was the the boat the boat guy was a weird cat, and then the I think yeah they were all weird cats, weren't they? I thought they were, from what I remember. Yeah. Much. 
Yeah. So like, yeah, because there was the there was the <laughs> there was the two two women who uh, owned the plantation, and then there was the boat guy. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I I was actually thinking it was like when I downloaded it, I saw it was like nineteen sixty nine. I was like, how racist are, are some of these episodes going to be? Um, this is <laughs> this is going to be a nightmare because I did see there's one where the gang goes to Hawaii. And I was like, this is going to be very bad. There's also one where they go to Scotland. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. There's an episode where they go to Scotland. I'm going to see if I can find it. Um, so, like, there was, a, there was a movie. Later. There was a movie about the Loch Ness Monster, but there was also another one. Um, like, there was actually, like, an episode. I'm going to see if I can find it. So, Scooby-Doo and the Loch Ness Monster was there but it was also in uh, so uh, some of these some of these are absolutely howling um yes so season three of the scooby-doo show the gang helps velma's friend aggie mcduff whose ancestral castle home was being haunted by the ghost of her great-grandfather finian mcduff who in turn has also summoned the Loch Ness Monster. So there's a good bit of anti-Catholicism in there as well. Yep. That's, for people who don't know, Finian's not a nice word in the UK. <laughs> yep. Uh, and then, of course, there was also the Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo second series. Season one, while bicycling through the Scottish countryside, the guys end up at a castle that they mistake for their hotel and encounter a very angry black knight who they believe is the hotel's manager. Um, while visiting the Glassborough Castle. Glassborough. Glasgow and Edinburgh, they've just fused that, haven't they? They have. When visiting the Glassborough Castle, the gang encounters the Glassborough Dragon. And then Scooby-Doo and the Loch Ness Monster as well. The gang was visiting Daphne Blake's cousin, Shannon. <laughs> they have to investigate the case of the Loch Ness Monster. This is got. This is going to be a watch party in the Discord, isn't it? It is. Nothing gonna, wrong with that. We're going we're gonna to have to do it. Also, this party hat is strangling me, so I'll just... I'll, you can take it off. I yeah, took my thing off because it was squeezing my ears too much. Yeah, it was, it was choking the life out of me there. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, yeah, the teams, so like there's, yeah, there's, there's tons, there's tons of weirdly Scottish themed stuff in Scooby-Doo. Um, I feel like one of the animators must have had a connection and wanted to pay homage. (laughs) Fucking... Finian McDuff, Jesus fucking Christ. I mean, it... It's a valid term in other places, but in Scotland, it is specifically a slur for people who are unaware. Um, it's a religious slur, and um, it's it's not it's not, nice not spelt it's, it's not spelt the same way. Yeah, as, but the way they would be saying it, yeah, in a Scottish accent, would not come across as good, especially in the sixties and seventies, <laughs> or the eighties or nineties, to be honest. Sorry, I've just I've just found a, a photo of the of this of like the animation and it is yeah it's, <laughs> yeah 
Who would have known this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's no, no. Well, uh, <laughs> well, well, we'll save it for a time in the Discord. Um, but yeah, this uh, Finian McDuff. He his clothing resembles a Scottish bagpipe player. He sported ginger hair, a mustache, and a beard. His skin uh, was also glowing pale blue. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, yeah, pretty, pretty incredible. Um, and then. Oh yeah. So another another person that they meet in Scotland is um is Jamie Craigmore. <laughs> Just all of the names. <laughs> um But yeah, that was um yeah, that's that's Scooby Doo in Scotland. Um I I honestly I can't wait I can't wait to watch them all. Like it's gonna be it's gonna be class. Like <laughs> we're gonna come back to you, whatever the next stream is, and you're just gonna have dark circles on your eyes. going. <laughs> it was like like downloading it all. It was uh, it was three hundred and fifty eight gigabytes of Scooby Doo content, which is just the best thing in the fucking world, really. I had the reason no one in Falkirk had high speed internet. When- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I drained it. Yeah, I know. Happened? It's just absolutely phenomenal. But then, like, the thing is, is I remember seeing glimpses of like other Scooby Doo like series because there was like there was obviously the kind of like classic classic ones, and then they tried to modernize it. And there was one where they wanted to like downplay all of the. Um, like they wanted to like de-age them, so they made them mm-hmm. all kids again, which was really weird because they still went to school. Um, but they also all had parents, um, which was really, really fucking weird. Um, I watched those, and I it was was this the one with H.P. Lovecraft? Maybe I don't know. There was one where it was a Lovecraft thing, and they all got de-aged and had to go back to college and. They all had parents and everything else, and so oh. it was. I the one I remember was that um, Shaggy, whose real name is Norbert, by the way, um, was what? being sent off to military school <laughs> for for, be, for being a fan I of hope- Mary Jane too much. <laughs> nah, the uh, like no, nah, this one, this one was bad on account of like. I think they they were trying they were like they were trying to do a kind of formation of the of mystery ink, so like they were trying to like they were <laughs> instead of instead of going from like you know um, episode to episode like a monster of the week type thing, they were trying to do like a, a series of like how the gang came to be and they had like a big overarching. Oh yeah, yeah. Mystery. Is everyone yelling at me in the chat? That's mystery ink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, I think it was like a Daphne. They made Daphne like a massive flirt in it. Like Daphne was absolutely like bursting for her hole from Fred, and f- like they made Fred like they made Fred like un- they, well they made Fred a himbo that like all he cared about was traps. Like he was just he was so excited about just traps. Like he was always designing traps, and whenever she As was in like the physical, mechanical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like anything the, else? No, 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 not 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 else. It was like <laughs> specifically. No, not not the not the slur. Um, it was like he was just 
he absolutely loved like designing his own traps and shit like that and whenever she wanted to like come over and do homework and everything he was like sorry gotta make a trap <laughs> amazing um Daphne Daphne was the top mm-hmm. I mean she's always been the top let's let's be real um but yeah Velma was in the closet as well for Mystery Inc if I remember was she I think so. Okay. It was. It was. I, it was, I think. No, they, they made. They made her and Shaggy a thing. Actually, sorry. That's an, that's the other thing of that show. So they coupled up, or they tried to couple up Daphne and Fred, but they did couple up Shaggy and Velma, which I thought was blasphemous. Sorry, I then, have a cat yeah. that's trying to steal dreamies. Because I'm sorry, you're not allowed any band. You've had more than enough. He's not happy. Um, but yeah, it was very, very much, uh, the, the, the line, the line that they took was that Shaggy and Velma be fucking, um, yes, which was, I, you know, whatever it's someone's fanfic. Good for them for getting paid for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just plenty, plenty, uh, was it, well, I've, I've forgotten what the fucking rule is. Was it rule 34? Rule 40 rule something? Thir- rule, rule 34 is there's porn, isn't there? Yeah, if I think something it, exists, there's porn of it. Yeah. There's plenty of Scooby-Doo stuff out there. Fill your boots, chat. If that if that's what you're into. <laughs> if that's no your thing. Or shame. Yeah. <laughs> A little bit of judgment. <laughs> Mostly me. from you downloading the entire... <laughs> <laughs> the entire could be doing a day. Hey, don't don't hate the player, hate the game. <laughs> but no, it's a f- fantastic. I really can't wait to like watch all of them. Um, and for anyone who uh, loves Scooby Doo, you should uh, appreciate. Sorry, I'm dealing with a cat being a little menace. Um, decided now is a good time to jump on on my desk and knock everything off. He's a, he just wants attention. Yeah, Velma's girlfriend was called Hot Dog Water, which what? I thought was weird. And Mystery Inc., yeah. What? Her, yeah, the girlfriend was called, her nickname was Hot Dog Water because she smelled like hot dog water, apparently. And then if I also remember, Hot Dog Water ended up her dad was the villain? Or she ended up betraying them or something? I don't know. It was weird. It was a weird, weird thing. Holy shit, I've okay, I've definitely not seen any of this. Does she die as well? No more because he's a big Scooby Doo fan, so that's Oh right, okay. I feel like I I know more about classic Scooby Doo than I do about uh like when did when did she first make an appearance? She's first... only in Mystery Inc. She's only in um Yeah, so yeah. she was in she was in the first six she she joined in the sixteenth episode of the first season of Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated, which was first aired in 2010. So yeah, that was, uh, that was, that yeah, was past it, my it was time. Right before Mothline and I got married. To anyone ah. new who's not aware, my, the, the chat nickname for my husband is Mothman. <laughs> so that's, that's him in the comments with ETD Mothman. So. Ah, I didn't know that Matthew Lillard actually did the voice of Shaggy for, Mystery Inc. I didn't know that either. Hmm. Hot dog water should date gamer girl Bathwater. Oh dear. 
but yeah, I mean, uh, there's tons of Scooby-Doo video games. In fact, there was tons of, I remember there was tons of Scooby-Doo PC games that you could play in your browser. Like, I remember some of those. Way back, and you had to like explore like a haunted garden and stuff. It was like a maze. It was, it was amazing. Um, no, it was really good fun. Sorry, I felt like we've maybe dwelled a bit long on Scooby Doo. We have. Uh, it's very we've much. We've indulged your fixation a little bit. Yeah, too okay. Much. You, you <laughs> rip, rip it away from me. Go on, go on. Do something else. Um, we were yeah. actually we we're going to talk about our favourite sweets. That was one of the things that we had in mind. Um, yes. And this is something that chat can definitely get involved in because we always want to hear uh, what you guys. So there's there's four categories here of sweets, right? Bearing in mind, these are these are sweets. These aren't pastries. They aren't cakes. They aren't biscuits, right? They're sweets and chocolate. Candy to the Americans. Candy, if candy you will. Candy and chocolate. So the first one is favorite hard-boiled sweets, and I'll tell you the other categories as well. But we'll do them step by step. But the next one's gummy sweets, right? Then you've got a. You've got low, like lower quality chocolate, and then you've got high quality chocolate. When I say low quality chocolate, I mean the sort of thing that you'd pick up at a counter on the way out of like a shop. I'm not talking about like a box of after eights. A box of if you if you some people might maybe purchase a box of after eights to eat by themselves. Um, but I'm talking about like so a box of after eights is maybe something you'd get like at Christmas, right? Like a kind of like a family sharing thing. So those are the four categories. Um, so hard-boiled sweets, Joy, what's your favourite? Uh, I'm going to get really specific. Mine was um, Simpkins growing up, and it was the hard-boiled sweets that were um, kept in these travel tins, and then they were covered in um, powdered sugar inside to keep them from sticking together. And I loved the orange and the lemon ones. Mm. Uh, they were my favourite thing growing up as a kid. I've actually got some cherry flavoured ones in my pantry at the minute that I can't have, unfortunately. But um, the those were what I ate. I, you know, they were like the anti-travel sickness sweets in our car as a kid growing up. But they're they're also just good. Nice. No, that's uh, that's fair. Mine's I'd say is probably sur plumes. Um, oh, however, those are good too. However, I do have. Uh, soft spot for those like what Foxy's Glacier eh, hard balls they're lovely as well so yeah they're my they're probably they're they're probably mine the mint ones are actually only um, just throwing this out there the the Fox's mint glaciers are one of the only friendly MCAS friendly sweets because they don't have any dye in them so that's if anyone is like me and you have a million allergies you may be able to have Fox Glacier mints which are a good British staple, as far as I'm concerned. Hmm. I think they're Irish, actually. Hmm, not bad. I think Foxes is Irish, but yeah. Fair enough. Um, I'm wondering, so... Right, gummy sweets, then. Uh, wine gums for me. Wine gums, really? I love wine gums. R- really? Yeah. I don't think I know I anyone. So... For anyone in chat who's seen things, so anyone in chat who's seen things like Haribos, I'm afraid you're gonna have to be more specific. You're not allowed to see Haribos because Haribo comes in a mixed bag. You need to get down to the Haribo that you like. Um, for example, the Haribo that I like are the wee kind of like jelly men, not the jelly babies. 
I'm like jelly babies are fine, but like the wee the wee jelly men, the one that have their arms like strapped in. Um I like I like those. I also like Mawams. Mawams are fucking top tier. Like see the the raspberry Mawams that come mm-hmm. in a wrapper. They were the good stuff. Um The Starburst count is jelly sweets. The yeah, gummy sweets. gummy sweets, yeah, Starburst. I'm not yeah. a massive Starburst fan. Um but that's because I used to prefer fruit pastels. That was I liked fruit pastels. I like stuff that's got crystallized sugar in it. Yeah, so I would take I would take I would take a fruit yeah. pastel over a wine gum, I think. I think for me it's Haribo for me was always too soft. Mm. I used to let open up my Haribo and let them go slightly stale so I could get a better chew out of them. Whereas with <laughs> wine gum I actually feel like I get to have a bit of a chew with it. So where did where did bonbons fit? Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Depends on what type of bonbons. I think bonbon would probably go under um, chocolates, to be honest. Because you get chocolate bonbons. You do. I would say they're probably more on the gummy side, though, for like the strawberry bonbons, and mm. they're not gummy as such, but <laughs> they're soft. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah. But yeah, I think so. It was I? I mean, I don't, I don't mind Haribo in general, but like, I quite like the the milk bottles you get from Haribo as well. They're quite nice. I like their Coca Cola bottles. To be honest, Co- yeah, Coca Cola like bottles the, are good. There used to be a sweet store in Glasgow that I loved, and they they made a lot of their own stuff. And to me, a lot of their gummy stuff was the best, and you can't really get them anymore. One of the gummy things I loved was the Iron Brew bars. Ah, oh. love dime brew bars. I used to I gone but not forgotten. Yeah. yeah, no, I would freeze them and break them up, and then you you could put them over ice cream and stuff as a wee crunch, or you could just melt it and whatever. But we used to eat the the iron brew ones constantly. Yeah, that was that was our. We, we used to go to our corner shop, and all you get was the iron brew bars. Nah, that's uh, that's fair. Um, right. So okay, lower quality chocolate. Lower quality might be uh the wrong term for it. Cheap. But aye, cheaper chocolate. What's what's your kind of all time favourite like cheaper chocolate? Mine's was um Kit Kat, but specifically Kit Kat Chunky. Ah yeah. I don't like regular Kit Kat, but I like Kit Kat Chunky. That was my favourite until I couldn't have the the wheat that was in a lot of those things. But that was, um, if I was having to pick something up at the register or if I was going out the door, I'd pick a Kit Kat Chunky. That would be right, that's that's fair. I actually take issue with people who eat the normal Kit Kats and, like, there's there's wrong ways to eat a Kit Kat, right? And one of those ways are the people who nibble the chocolate around the Kit Kat and then eat the wafer. I think those yeah, people I, need jailed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, where do galaxies count? Galaxies would probably count in this aspect. I'm not sure if Terry's chocolate orange counts as slightly higher end chocolate or not. In my it's mind, not because it's yeah. In in my mind, it is. It was a thing that only got at Christmas, but maybe that's me just being poor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's just us being Scottish. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, like I think. Hmm. I used to like Yorkie. I used to like Yorkie. I'm not a massive fan of Yorkie now. Um, same with Double Decker. 
Absolutely loved the whole thing. Double decker. Double deckers were great for a long time, and then they were like, "Nah." Um, I've I've always hated Aero. Cannot stand Aero. Aero is really Aero is the garbage bin of chocolate. It's just I like shit. the mint Aero. Oh fuck no! Nut book. The absolute nut. Couldn't they, couldn't they deal with it. Um, Poppets I used to like. Poppets were fun. Oh, I love Munchies as well with the cat. Munchies right? were good too. I loved when mun- Munchies ended up doing a collaboration with After Eights and they made the best, like, they made Munchie After Eights. Um, I did not, not know about that. Oh, man. I, I, I think they, they discontinued them as well. I, like, I feel like chocolate in the UK has gotten very, very boring since Brexit. Um, and that, yeah. you know what? Okay, so I'm I'm gonna jump ahead slightly. So one of my favourite kind of higher end chocolates is Toblerone, right? Toblerone is absolutely exceptional. Well, it used to be, um, because originally Toblerone was like designed like mountain peaks, so you got like a nice wee triangle, and mm-hmm. it was great. But with since Brexit, the gap between the mountains has grown. So you've actually got little tiny peaks now, and you've just got this yeah. giant valley in between each one because uh, they want to use less chocolate. Uh, poppets. So poppets are spelled like this, and the they came. There was mint poppets, and there was toffee poppets, and There's there was coffee as well. There was coffee poppets as well. Um. And I felt like Revels kind of overtook them a bit. Like, because yeah, Revels, Revels are good. Um, well, actually, Poppets are now back and they now have styled the Poppets like Revels. I don't <laughs> know. They've, like, they've managed to out Revel Revels, which is pretty good. Um, and do, they still, do you still get um, Milka chocolate in the UK? The purple, like the, like yeah. the light purple stuff. Not, I've not seen it in ages actually, but yeah. That was, I preferred that over Cadbury's in the end. I preferred Milka over Cadbury's at one point. It was it na- just, it was so much creamier. Aye. It was the same with, oh, what's the other type of chocolate? There's a chocolate that they tend to sell at like Lidl and Aldi. Um, and they always did like really good, like, it was always chocolate and something. One of them does like a kind of chocolate and cornflakes thing is is amazing um and chats mentioned there tony's chocolate only if you've ever had that it is phenomenal um it's such a they, they pay actual good wages which i yeah when i could still eat chocolate i would eat tony's because i yeah. it was one of those things where you're going oh it's because chocolate's one of those real things where slavery still exists unfortunately yeah um so it's really kind of as uh, rowan mentions in chat it's ritter sport it's ritter that does the the aldi little thing i was talking about um which is cool uh but yeah like tony's chocolate only is amazing Uh, recently discovered tony chocolate only does a a white raspberry popping candy one uh, I love so, popping candy. Yeah, f- popping candy is fucking amazing, and see-through chocolate is fantastic. There used to be a thing at Christmas where you could—it was like, it was like a knockoff of Freddo, mm-hmm. but it was little elves, and each elf had like a different flavor of popping candy in it, and it was—it was like a chocolate chocolate elf that had different mm-hmm. flavors of popping candy in it. Phenomenal. Um, I miss, I like, I miss. 
I miss when people were braver with chocolate. I feel like that's just not a thing anymore. Um, like the, um, remember when like the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory came out and like mm-hmm. fucking chocolate places were doing like a, what was it? Fudge Mallow Whipple Scrumptious Fudge Mallow Delights. Those were fantastic. And they were great. And as much as we don't like to, to say it, when Harry Potter came out, um, and yeah. and people jumped on the chocolate frog thing. They did chocolate frogs and they did the the jelly beans and it was actually in like cool packaging for the film. Why did that not just become a normal fucking thing? I feel like it's because so it costs money. Yeah, <laughs> that's basically it. But it was they made the um, they really bought, brought back jelly beans in a big way. Mm. Yeah, sorry, I'm saying Milky Way kid. Yeah, you're correct. Milky Bar kid. Milky Bar kid. Yeah. It's interesting to me because white chocolate is one of the only things I can still have. I can't have regular chocolate. Um, it's due to how they're made, but technically white chocolate's not chocolate because it's not made from the same thing, but it's, yeah. you know, whatever. <laughs> but um, I can have white chocolate, but I can't have regular chocolate. So I'm big on white chocolate at the minute. That's my... And some people go, ooh, white chocolate. I've always liked it. Even when I was a kid, I would eat the, the Milky Bar kid it's, stuff. It's a little too sweet for me, as in I feel like I can, I can eat I can eat less white chocolate and I'll feel as sick as if I eat a lot of normal chocolate. They add more sugar. They add, more they sugar add a lot more sugar, sugar to it. Yeah. But, um, but it's still nice. Um, yeah. There used to be... Uh, there used to be... Like when I was in first year at uni, uh, I was shopping at like Lidl all the time and there used to be like knockoff Twixies that you could get that were actually really good. Uh, I don't mind Twixies actually. Twixies are not too bad. Twixies were good because you could bite off the end and dunk it in your tea and suck the tea up yes. through, and you get a mouthful of warm caramel. I also used to do that with. Um, if we're gonna go for like absolute favourites, you cannot beat Tunnocks for me for like the caramel wafers. I would yeah. take Tunnocks over that. Also, the Tunnocks tea cakes is I would probably shank someone for an honest tea cake at the minute um it was weird to me because i was i went to disneyland a couple of years ago and they were selling tunnocks in the british section and i'm like i don't think there's many english people know what tunnocks is yeah nah. and but it was you could buy caramel weight they were selling something like a pack of six caramel wafers for like ten dollars and i'm like oh my god it's a tobacco <laughs> um Still haven't forgiven Tunnocks from being a big no voter though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was I mean, devastating. We, my my um dad's friend dad's friend's mum worked in Tunnocks mm. and they were always really good about giving people stuff to take home. So yeah. that was like nothing nothing ever got chucked in the bin. They just they, and they still do it today, they still give you the food. They don't put anything to waste if it's whatever. They give it to the staff. Which I prefer people to do over than it's just like yeah, becoming the designated. Oh, you're hosting the coffee mornings for the rest of your life, basically. That was pretty much what it was. Yeah, it was. Oh, you've always got you've got a constant supply of tea cakes. Fantastic. So, <laughs> yeah. And for those who aren't aware what a, a tea cake is, it's um like a it's like a digestive biscuit almost with a soft marshmallow encased in chocolate. Yeah. So you had a hard class. shell of chocolate, you bit into it and you got a soft marshmallow and then a cookie at the bottom. It was yeah. fantastic. It was uh, yeah, it's good. It's 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 the good stuff. Um so a higher end chocolate then. What are we like I I'm I'm gonna okay, my 
my my class is going to show here. I'm going to count Teddy's chocolate orange as higher class. I don't give a fuck. And well, it's I also special chocolate because a lot of us don't get yeah, special pick. chocolate. I just, yeah, I would also say like Toblerones would also sit up there because the the quality of a Toblerone was up there. Plus. Toblerones come in big fucking slab things now. They like yeah. to come in like you can't buy a small Toblerone. You've got to buy the the big boy. Um, so yeah, I'm saying like kind of grouping there. What is your what's your go to expensive chocolate? I see after eights in chat. After eights, after eights, my favorite as a kid. But now it's it would probably be um, there's a there, there's obviously um, Lindt. Is that how you say Lind chocolate? The, the, the Easter bunnies, Linda. Yeah, is Lint. it? Is it Linda? Um, yeah, I don't know. L i n d t, I think. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I like that their their Easter stuff. I used to really like those ones and their their chocolate stuff. They do um, reindeer now them. as well. <laughs> do they? Yeah. yeah so they I do. Like cho- the, I like their truffles. I like the the truffles that have got the hard shell and the, the soft inside. I could eat mm. those for days. I used to eat the white chocolate ones constantly, but then they started adding um. Soy lectin into it, which I can't have, unfortunately. Nah. Um, and that's the problem with a lot of these things. I can't have um, the actual co- um, cocoa bean, and I also can't have soy lectin. And soy lectin's in everything. It's in Cadbury's. It's in all these things. So I, mm. a lot of my chocolates are really expensive, but it's because I'm avoiding the soy and like all the other stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, to yeah. me, that you know, that's just it's all my chocolate, super expensive chocolate these days. But um. That's the sure. green and blacks was a favorite when I was growing up. Yeah, I actually got I got a prescription from my doctor for green and blacks dark chocolate when I was wee because I was always anemic and oh. they were trying to find any way to get iron into me. And black chocolate can has some iron in it, so that was a thing hmm. when I was wee was I was only allowed to eat dark chocolate for a long time. That's interesting. The yeah. prescription for for black and green was, chocolate. It was, That's a, it was our wee old doctor. His name was uh, Doctor Lovett, I think. And he was very much about how do we get kids to be like, you know, he was very much involved in like nutrition and stuff. And mm. he was very kind of ahead of his time. And he said, well, I'm going to write a wee prescription here for your mum to say that you should have whatever. And it was literally a prescription oh, green, nice. and, green and black, 70% dark chocolate. And I ate almost exclusively dark chocolate from the age of five till about 12. Dark chocolate is really nice. Like, I really not like dark likes chocolate. It. Yeah, not, not everyone likes it, likes it but I, I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we saw Ferrero Rocher. Uh, that was a, yeah, they're a, they're a good standout. Um, I really like. There's this thing that you can get in the, you can get across the UK. I'm not sure if you can get it in the US, but it's like, um, you can get like praline like seashells. Um, oh yeah. Like I, I my mum was telling me earlier that she actually she like she hates them, but I was like, nah, they're they're my they're my go-to. My mum was a big fan of Lindor, like the the mm. Lindor wee balls Lindor balls um, they were like I don't know they were like softer chocolate inside a harder chocolate shell I don't mm-hmm. know if they were like I don't know if they count as a truffle I don't think they count as a truffle yeah it's yeah. Gillian 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 seashells that's it there was the the what was this, I used to get them in John Lewis and it was the hotel range of chocolates Oh, Hotel like Chocolat. Yeah, Hotel Chocolat. Because oh, I used to get the strawberry ones, the strawberry okay. chocolate ones. We actually had them for our wedding, and it was the, the, the strawberry chocolate ones dusted in powder. We had Ooh. those as well, which was... Everyone thought they were class, and I'm going, yeah, it's just it's John Lewis. But also, 
Glasgow Kimball's chocolate used to be fantastic, but unfortunately the the um, quarantine and COVID shut them down. Aww, but, uh, we did all of our wedding favours through um, Kimball's chocolate from Glasgow, and they'd been in St. Enoch Centre for generations. Uh, but they did some really, really good chocolates when I was wee, and those were kind of like my luxury thing as a kid as well. We'd go in there and we'd get... Um, Handed orange peel in dark chocolate would be like a wee treat if you were going to see Eccentric with your mum. So, that's, yeah, that's not bad. And that was what my mum, that was my mum's treat as well. She used to get it from Kimball's as well. So. Hmm. Ah, that's nice. The, um, I'm, I'm trying to think, sorry, for, I forgot from a low quality or a, a cheaper chocolate perspective, we missed out minstrels. Minstrels oh, are I used to love minstrels excellent. As well. And, sorry, and mini eggs. Mini eggs are fantastic. Uh, I don't know what they do. I don't know how they make the mini Hard egg shell. shell, but like, I don't know why. But each each shell has its own flavour. <laughs> I'm getting really, really really into my mini eggs, um, but it is it's incredible. There's good good stuff. Good engineering prowess goes into the designing of a mini egg. Um, I used to wait every Easter for the cream eggs. Oh. That was I cream egg. I loved a cream egg. I, I've never enjoyed a deep fried marsh bar. I had a deep fried cream egg once, and oh, I think fuck. I may have seen God. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's that's, that's just, I was gonna say that's because of the heart disease. <laughs> they... but, uh, we used to, we used to. Um, it was my friend and I. We used to when we worked in retail. Uh, the one of the bosses never listened to us, and she used to store the caramel, uh, the not the caramel eggs, the cream eggs behind the coffee machine where the vent was so all these cream eggs would go all soft and gooey and then she couldn't sell them so she'd basically and she never learned because we'd teach her every week don't put these here and she'd do it every time and we'd move them and then she'd move them back and it was a whole thing and then at the end of the day she was like oh no these must be faulty you use lassies can have them so we hey. used to just eat on our breaks we'd just be eating these like half melted cream eggs and it felt like the most primal like <laughs> shoving like a, a, a melted hot egg into your mouth sensation it was great we loved it but it was also just my boss being not listening to us and going you can't store melted things behind a hot thing <laughs> no nah, that that's a uh, that's good and someone's of course mentioned kinder eggs uh, kinder eggs not as much kinder buenos however are sign kinder me the bueno fuck up kinder bueno are great um the, i don't know why but there's something about each bit of a kinder bueno being individually wrapped terrible for the environment but presentation wise i can't really fault them um and like each segment you could snap off which is also pretty cool um i'm trying to think from like a you know kind of expense more more expensive chocolate um i'm thinking mine would like Teddy's chocolate orange is like the like it is it is orange chocolate that is what it is and can I just say a big part of having like orange chocolate is it being in the shape of an orange it's that's part of the enjoyment it's breaking apart like killing apart like the same like I mean if if you if you put all of the after eight individual slices of after eight into a bar, it would be the most depressing thing you'd ever eat in your life. I mean, that, 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 that was it, a thing at one point. Was it? Yeah, you might be too young to remember it, but I remember oh, there God. being bars. There's also a Scottish brand that did their own cream 
mint chocolate bars. And those were really good, but you could only get them in ice cream shops for some reason. Oh, that's weird. They're selling bars of after eights in the US next. See, like, I... It is a lot. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like... I I don't respond as, like, positively to, like, cream eggs now. Because I think there was probably a point in time where I ate a whole thing of cream eggs to myself and probably put myself into a sickly coma. Um, Similarly with a... No, I think... Yeah, similarly with after eights. Um, yeah, so it was, it was after these that I definitely ate way too much of them, and then there's also cream eggs. Is those are the two? Those are the two that I've like. I still don't mind them, but I know that if I eat like three or four of them, I'm fucked and I'm gonna, gonna feel yeah, unwell because it'll trigger yeah. the memory of when I eat like a full box of after eights to myself. Um, there's a I can like the caramel eggs. I like. I'm I'm a caramel bitch. I love caramel for things, and I'm lucky that i can actually make caramel using maple <laughs> syrups I'm, I'm still able to have caramel and um, because it's one of those weird things where it's like i can't have cane sugar but i can have maple sugar mm. don't ask me why um, <laughs> sorry i just so want I, to I point out i just want to point in drama llama panorama's comment in chat as long as you don't put the wrappers of the after eights back in the box you're all right i hated <laughs> the that. worst bastards that did that <laughs> you'd be like oh great it's still full they'd just be empty my dad did that constantly, and he always did it on Christmas as well, because we always got we always got after it at Christmas and New Year's, and you go to open the box up thinking it was a full box, and you just find your dad had scarfed the whole thing and it was just empty and bloat. <laughs> you might as well have just written "fuck you" on the box list. Exactly. <laughs> nah, I think, uh, like, I'd say, hmm, I, I don't really know what other. I think Jessica's a big fan of. Um, like Thornton's, but like Thornton's used to do this like kind of toffee almond thing. She's convinced it was almonds. I thought it would have been something like hazelnut or walnut, but apparently, apparently it was almond. Um, but like I still like Thornton's truffles. That was Thornton's did really good truffles. Aye, I like. Oh, it's Brazil nut. Okay, so that's immediately like yeah, that's like top tier. Brazil nuts are class. So, I, I yeah, chocolate. Because what chocolate Brazil nuts were also a thing, weren't they? They were. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Um, I don't know why, but like excessively talking about chocolate has also kind of triggered that reaction of like, oh my god, like <laughs> the, the bulk feeling. Like it's just like I, I feel I feel like I've overeaten on like chocolate when there's nothing not... to do with the cake sitting in front of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It is, it is in front of me. Um, so just to give you an idea about the the sheer size of this cake for a start, right? Um, <laughs> but also, this is this is cake that Jessica specifically ordered, and it is a pumpkin spice flavored. That's right. I'm a basic bitch. I love my pumpkin spice, and um, this is a an autumnal um, pumpkin spiced cake uh, that Jessica got made for me, which is very very kind of a. Um, I am basic bitch for Scott. I don't give. I don't give a fuck. I have queued for thirty minutes for pumpkin spice before. Um, I've done it all. You like what you like. That, that's I, I it. do. It's 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 my one little bit of like yeah. I'm I'm basic. Um, hey, Snappy Films, welcome to the stream. 
I should oh, not say welcome was... to the stream. I should say welcome to the podcast. You can get churros, but I loved violet mints when I was growing up. I loved parma Viol- violets. Parma oh, violets are J- Jess, Jessica's a massive fan of parma violets. Like I think I, I, I can't remember whether it was for her birthday or her Christmas one year, but I got her like a big tub uh, of like of Amazon. It's like it was just filled to the brim with parma violets. We went to a wedding, and they had the bride was a big cocktail person, and they okay. had themed cocktails, you know, for whatever. And we were not official bridesmaids, but we were kind of roped in at the last minute, and we were wearing a kind of violet dress. So the bar, the bartender made a cream Parma violet cocktail for us. <sighs> And it was the most lethal thing you could give to someone because it did not taste like alcohol. It just tasted like liquidized parma violet with like an ice cream base. And my friend and I drank about five of them and I don't remember the rest of the night. It was just so dangerous because it was literally just the best tasting cocktail I've ever had in my life because you could not taste any alcohol. (laughs) But it just tasted like parma violet. Some of liquidized parma violet. And I'm a bitch for parma violets. So that was the That's... kind of, it, it was, it was lethal. We woke up the next day, we were still wearing our dresses and we're just kind of laying there in this double bed, just like, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> I can't... The answer was Parma Violet cocktails. I can't imagine like Parma, Parma Violet cocktail. I, I feel like it would be too sweet for me. It wouldn't be like a juice. Like I've had cocktails that have been like a juice and you've been able to like neck them and then you realize you're like shit-faced at half past ten. It was worse, but, too, because it was a cream cocktail. Oh, fuck. Oh, so it was God. one of those ones that it's almost like you're just drinking ice. It's like a milkshake, but it's yeah. alcohol. So oh, you're God. getting hit by the lactose and the alcohol. <laughs> I was ill for about three days after that, but I still yeah. don't regret it because it was it was such a good experience. But I think after the first one, we were so drunk, we, we didn't taste that it was too sweet after that one. Um <laughs> But there's a fabulous picture of me and the other bridesmaid and we're just holding these massive, huge like ice cream sundae um, knickerbocker glory style glasses with these parma-violet cocktails. Parma-violet cocktails. It God. was lethal. I, I don't, my liver never recovered from that, I don't think. But um, <laughs> it was, that was an experience. And I still, to this like day, I will still eat parma-violets if I can, if I can find the allergen-friendly ones. But um, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I had a perfume that was parma-violet. I, that's how much damn you went all out (laughs) so i well if anyone ever talks shit about pumpkin spice don't care i'm a parma violet bitch that's that's whatever wherever you love you love that's (laughs) that's very fair but like it's funny i think it's the only time that i like i quite like going into coffee shops and going can i get a pumpkin spice latte it's like i don't normally go and like (laughs) i don't normally go to starbucks and go can i have a latte please no it's it's, it's pumpkin spice or bust um, you can buy the the syrup over here. I don't know if you can get it in the UK, but you can make your own uh, the pumpkin spice lattes over here. Um, but there's a the you can also get pumpkin spice tea now as well, which I just like to sniff the box. There's mm. too many things in it that I can have. I like to sniff the box, so that's just inhale, inhale the box. Just, <laughs> it smells good. I, I, no, like I'm, I'm you not. You can drink. No, no, no judging here. Sometimes it is just good. Um, I would. I. I long for having. I don't. I don't think they would be able to ever do it because it is like the pumpkin spice comes from like the syrup and it also comes from the the dusting that they put on top. Um, but 
like I would love it if they were able to get the pumpkin spice into like an espresso pod or something like that. That would be that would be my like goal. Um, my one goal in life is to get pumpkin spice into an espresso pod because it'd be amazing. Um, but I remember I used to have like I used to have a custom order um, for Starbucks because I used to order my Starbucks on on the app because there was a Starbucks beside Edinburgh Uni and I used to go from the library over to Starbucks to pick up my order and then come back. Um, and it was I I got like I got like four four pumps of <laughs> pumpkin spice syrup and then i got like the extra pumpkin spice on top that's right four pumps you heard me um and it was just fuck my life up with pumpkin spice um <laughs> just completely high off the sugar from the syrup. oh yeah i was like <laughs> like if i was if i was doing all-nighters at the library like i was i was fucking jerry like it's it's one of those things where you feel like um you know when you do something that you know is not entirely productive but you kind of like slaving away into the like the little hours of the night yes like i and, do it frequently and, and it's like it's not <laughs> it's not necessarily productive it's just like you feel good because you're working when like other people aren't uh so the fact that the world around you is quiet and there's that less too. distractions and you get more stuff. Because I even I literally work from home all the time. I still prefer to stay up late because there's nobody else awake and I can get all my shit done. Yeah. And, but it's bad for me because then I live in a society where you have to get up at nine every or I say nine, that's when I get up. But yeah. it's <laughs> but you have to get up at six or seven the next day. But I still prefer staying up late. But that's also because I have a del- delayed sleep cycle which just yeah. keep on brand also a sign of ADHD <laughs> it was an ADHD symptom bingo it's like you know when you're working really late and you just don't uh, <laughs> it's just, yeah no I, I like doing stuff like that it's, it's good it's, it's also why I kind of like waking up early I think it's like the same thing but reversed like I'm I'm quite yeah. a I'm quite an early morning person on it like I kind of to be honest this is maybe a thing with like seasonal affective disorder right but i feel like during summer i am like hot shit at getting up like early and i like getting up at like six o'clock and like i've even got i've even gotten up early at like five at some point which i feel like was actually me just punishing myself and trying to prove something when i really should have just kept up at six but like probably getting up getting up at six and then like going out or like getting up at six and then immediately doing something always felt good but i feel like as the nights get darker i feel like i need to then pivot and start doing later nights and uh, later morning rises um i feel like I've, it, I, there's probably someone out there going well fucking duh like everyone's done that since ever you piece of shit but i mean some people don't some people to keep their nine to you know their 9 p.m to 5 a.m this yeah. cycle their whole life uh, um, did you, i'm not one of them <laughs> i mean did you see that uh, apparent apparently it's being discussed that the uk may abolish a uh, daylight savings Good, they should because it fucks everybody up it, yeah it fucks everyone up but it's the only thing over here that democrats and republicans unanimously voted on like yeah get rid of it yeah, like well, was, it's yeah. the 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 only thing was that I think is that it will be shit for like winter here because it's like they they plan on having British summertime be the standard, which means that mornings in Scotland are gonna be like 
fucking pitch black you know it's gonna be like nothing um but yeah it'll be it'll be interesting i like i, I would i would love to get rid of it because i'm i was sick of there was always that pain in the arse bit in spring where you were like booking meetings when you were working and if you were booking international meetings and you were like booking them ahead for when daylight savings had passed you had to like just do fucking mental gymnastics to Mm -hmm. to do it but yeah i think that they're wanting to have british summertime uh, as the norm uh which is fine i mean they've shown it adversely affects people they've shown that it causes health problems and mental health problems and it's just we don't need it anymore Um, yeah but it's i mean I, I am one of those weirdos. I, I have a biphasic sleeping pattern because everything about me has to be bi, apparently. <laughs> I literally sleep for four hours at a time. I get up and I do more things and I go back to sleep for four hours and that's how I get my eight hours in because I can't do eight hours consistently. Um, See, that sounds so kind of nice do, in a way. Yeah, it's, like, it's, a more, it's how they used to do it when we didn't have electricity. There was a lot of things where, you know, there's there's lots of accounts in like um, medieval Europe and all these things you had from religious, you know, uh, like the nunneries and everything else, they would go to bed, they'd wake up and they'd do stuff in the middle of the night, usually to have their, their midnight mass or whatever. And they'd do things, they'd be productive by candlelight and then they'd go back to bed for a bit. I'm going, why do we not do that anymore? That because sounds it makes more fucking sense if amazing. You... It's hard to like... put all of your sleep in at one, you know, there's so much mm. emphasis on getting eight hours of sleep a day and it's hard for some people to do that. And also the pressure to do it can make you an insomniac as well. Um, yeah. I literally I mean, work with, hmm. because I have delayed sleep cycle. I, I talk to my therapist about it. My my And she deals with a lot of these disorders as part of ADHD. And she's going, oh, you should try biphasic sleep. And I literally will go to sleep for four hours. I wake up, I do things because I feel rejuvenated and refreshed. And then I go back to sleep again for four to five hours. And I, it starts all over again. So you got a cat in the background. Right. Anyway, how's everyone doing while well, I's dealing with a cat? <laughs> to be fair, like just just hearing about that, like yeah, I, I I wish that was something that I could do. Um, I I've always I've always found it an absolute pain in the ass about that eight hours. I've never been a napping person. I think I've never seen like I've always seen napping throughout the day as like a like a thing that I should be doing something else. Um, oh, there's hello, lovely scientists dropping history facts. and facts into the chat for us. Historian A. Roger Eckerch e- 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 has argued that before the Industrial Revolution interrupted sleep was dominant in Western civilization. He draws evidence from more than 500 references to a segmented sleeping pattern in documents from the ancient medieval and modern world. Other historians, such as Crave, Koslovsky, have endorsed Eckert's analysis according to Eckert's argument. Adults typically sleep in two distinct phases, bridged by an intervening period of wakefulness of approximately one hour. This time was used to pray and reflect and to interpret dreams, which were more vivid than that hour than upon waking in the morning. This was also a favourite time for scholars and poets to write uninterrupted, whereas still others visited neighbours, engaged in sexual activity, or committed petty crime. <laughs> hmm. So, 
I'm just thinking of how that that works then. Because so apparently, between six and nine hours of sleep, a typical adult will complete four or five REM cycles. They always talk about like the stages of sleep mm-hmm. and how REM's the really good one. And when your alarm goes off while you're in the middle of REM sleep, it's what makes you feel sluggish and shite. Um, so. In those four hours, I suppose you're maybe completing, what, like two cycles of REM sleep? Then you're probably getting up naturally at the end of it and then being able to go into another two hours after you've done a bit of productivity. Because I I find myself actually, I I probably do it already, but like I, I tend to wake up in the middle of the night all the time. And it's like, maybe I should try and do something during that time and then go back to sleep. But yeah. Apparently, we'll need to start work at nine o'clock or earlier. So, yeah, um, it's it's not attainable with current working standards, unfortunately. Mm. I do it because I am self-employed and also chronically ill, so I do what I need to do to keep my body functioning. Um, but it's it was one of those things where I have been a, a chronically long insomniac, and doing the biphasic sleep pattern is the only way I've ever consistently gotten eight hours sleep within a 24-hour cycle. It mm. is the only way I've ever achieved it. I've never managed it any other time. So, mm. and although some there's some studies that say, oh, getting eight hours all at once is best for you, my neurologist is quite happy with me doing biphasic sleeping. As long as I'm getting enough sleep, it doesn't have to be all at once. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like, um, as Solo C89 says, capitalism getting in the way yet again. <laughs> <laughs> nah, that's a... Uh... That's fair. Um, yeah, maybe maybe this is something I can try and try and get into. I mean, it's, it sounds lovely because I feel like some of the best sleeps I have is when I've done that kind of like waking up. My it's it's why you always feel good when you wake up in the middle of the night and you look at your phone and you have four hours of fucking sleep left. You always yeah. feel good about it, right? You always feel fucking amazing. You're like, I can't believe I've got so much more sleep to get. It's the best thing in the world. Um, so yeah, I feel like I imagine being able to feel that all the time because <laughs> you are only sleeping for four hour stints and then you're getting to do something and you're like, yeah, now time for another four hours. Um, but no, that's a, uh, oh good, Joy, I'm just thinking about our time here. Is this maybe yep. a good place to maybe wrap it up? Probably. Cool, right, I'll... Uh, ten min- eight minutes left. Sounds well. I'll... I'll do that then. Well, thank you all for uh, joining us for another episode of the Ice Fear. Sporadic talking <laughs> talking about Scooby-Doo for a large chunk of it. Uh, but of course, also covering Amazon, covering our favourite sweets, and then of course we got into good uh, um, good chat about sleep cycles there, which was good fun. Um, for those of you who are still in chat, uh, don't go away. We're obviously going to have our kind of 10 minutes to the other side, but we're going to wrap up the Ice Fear for uh, just now. I uh, hope you all have a great uh, evening, afternoon, morning. Have a good week. And uh, we'll see you in the next one. Catch you in a bit, folks. Bye-bye.